Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The title of our message tonight is Identity Theft. I hope no one in here has been a victim of identity theft, but the chances are that due to the percentages that I don't know how many one in four people are, you know, experience identity theft at one point in their life or not. I don't know what the, the percentage or ratio is, but identity theft uh, is nothing new. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that the first account of identity theft can be found in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, the book of beginnings. Um, you can't watch TV nowadays without seeing a commercial for identity theft protection. Companies promising that if you pay a certain amount of money per month, they will uh, promise to insure you and recoup your property or damages up to a million dollars. And the thing with identity theft is this. Uh, it's right now in our times, identity theft has become a major source of illegal revenue for terrorists. Identity theft, theft is a big deal. Um, it's also one of the greatest activities of the kingdom of darkness. It's one of the greatest crimes that the enemy has perpetrated against mankind. And it's exactly what the enemy accomplished in the Garden of Eden. And you can read more about that in the third chapter of the book of Genesis. What happened was this, and I'm going to give you a very, very condensed version. Um, Adam, because of the sin uh, that Adam and Eve participated in, they no longer saw themselves as right before God. Their right standing with God shifted and he, Adam and Eve no longer identified themselves with what God had created them to be. Instead, what they identified themselves with was fear. They became very afraid and they were intimidated and they lost their purpose. Satan is not stupid. I said that when I taught a couple of weeks ago. He's been around for a long time. And he knows if something works to use it again. Well, he saw how this agenda, identity theft, worked in the Garden of Eden. So he likes to use it every chance he gets. He was able to convince Adam and Eve that they were not created in the image and in the likeness of God. Therefore, they believed the lie and believed what the enemy said about God trying to withhold or hold something back from them. What was the result? They lost their identity as righteous in the sight of God and they became sinners. I'm going to say that again. What was the result of swallowing or believing the lie? It was that they lost their identity as righteous in the sight of God and they became sinners. Satan tries to do the same thing to us as believers. He tries to accomplish this through suggestions, accusations, lies, and he tries to get us to abandon our God-given identity and to identify with what he says about us. In other words, to buy the lie. That's what he's trying to do with each one of us. And it's, it's, 
it takes a lot of effort in the world that we live in because we're constantly being bombarded with media, with, with ideas, with pictures, with suggestions, and our environment and our, our thoughts can be so negative. And it's tough to live in this world and as a Christian and remain unscathed, untouched by everything that seems to be trying to pull us away from our God-given identity. The enemy of our souls thrives on confusion. He is the father of confusion and seeks every opportunity to take advantage of those whose souls have been damaged. I think one of the best examples of this, and probably a lot of us can relate to it, is when we were first saved, when we were first born again. Those people that were closest to us, our families and our close friends, we were totally changed from the inside out. We didn't really even know what had happened to us. It was amazing, and, but we knew we were completely different. We knew the old us was just gone, but our families didn't know that because they still saw the outward. They didn't know of the inward change, so it wasn't unusual for our, any of our family members to be the first people to remind us of who we were right? Is, does this sound familiar? Or our friends, they see us, maybe we used to curse like a sailor. And now we just had like this, nothing was coming out of our mouth that was, you know, un, unclean. And our friends would look at us like, man, what happened to you? You know, Miss Holier Than Thou, did you ever get that one? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, and we just, we were changed, our nature was changed. We had no desire to conduct ourselves in the same way, and, but our friends didn't understand it, and they wanted to point out our past. They wanted to remind us of how, what we used to be like. The state of living between these two worlds can be difficult and precarious at times, and what happens is it, we can sometimes feel torn and we can feel confused, like we're, we, we don't know if we're live, choosing to live in one world, the kingdom of God, or live in the other. Jesus was subject to the same ideas, suggestions, and lies, and yet he always held on to the truth of his identity. He always identified with the kingdom of God and who God says he, said he was. He always identified himself with his father's kingdom. I want to ask you a question tonight. You don't have to answer this, but consider it. And when you leave, I hope you'll consider it or reconsider it. Who are we identifying with? Quick example or story of mine. Um, back in 2007, I um, was making a decision. It was the wrong one. I made two wrong decisions. God delivered me out of both of them, and I'm standing here right now. Amen. But I made one wrong decision and I was going back to have my dental hygiene license taken out of retirement. But in order to do so, I had to go back to the University of Medicine and Dentistry in Scotch Plains to take a refresher course. So I thought, oh, I really don't want to go this direction. But at that time, I thought that that was the only choice that I had. So I kind of went all in. I was like, okay, I'm all in on this. And I was going to the bookstore to get this big logo of UMDNJ to put on my van because I thought, okay, uh, if I'm going to be doing this, I'm going to be doing it 100%. So I thought, I'm going to get that logo to identify as a, myself as a hygienist. And I'm telling you, I 
when I tried to purchase it, I was getting the most uneasy feeling in my spirit. I was so uncomfortable, we call it a check, or a scratching, a knowing, an inward witness. No, no. Almost like somebody was standing in front of me, putting their hands up, stopping me from going that way. And I, I tried to push through it a few times, but finally I yielded and I, I said, Lord, I don't know why, I just know that I'm not supposed to purchase this logo for my car, this decal. And as I was doing something sh a short while thereafter, the Holy Spirit said to me, your identification is not within, with what you do, but who you are to me in my kingdom. And I said, amen, amen to that. John 8, 12, we're gonna look at this account in scripture and we're gonna see what Jesus said about himself and who he identified himself as. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, you are making those claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Looking to discredit, demean, or belittle the plan of God and who God said that Jesus was. Now, when we read from verse 12 to verse 53, and we'll look at that in just a minute, the religious folks uh, were inspired by the enemy and they made every claim imaginable in their attempt to convince Jesus that he was not who God says he was. And when I taught on our words matter a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that we looked at at that time was the account in Luke chapter four when the spirit of God led Jesus Christ into the wilderness. There, Satan was trying constantly to you know, if you were the son of God, if you are the son of God, he, he's relentless in his pursuit to try to rob our identity. He did it with our Lord and Savior, and, he's going, and Jesus said, if he did it to me, he's going to do it to you. So we need to be aware of that and not allow him to do that. So from verse 12 to 53, we're gonna read now. They accused him of, of a number of things, making false claims, of being illegitimate, being demon-possessed, how do you like that one, and being a liar. Let's read it. Finally, in verse 53, the ultimate attempt to degrade the Lord Jesus Christ was made. Verse 53, are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are, right? Who do you think you are? You get an impression in your heart to step out in obedience to something that the Spirit of God is leading you to do, and one of the first thoughts that pops into your head, who do you think you are? Mr. Hotshot, you know, whatever. To try to get you to pull back and let go of who you are in Christ. Jesus answered, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count but it is my Father who will glorify me. You say he is our God, but you don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be as great a liar as you. He got them between the eyes with that one. But I don't know him, but I do know him and obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, here they go again, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you have seen Abraham? 
Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Whenever, if you're taking notes, write this down. Whenever we take a stand to identify ourselves with whom God says we are, the enemy will always seek to destroy that identity in us. I'm gonna say it again. Whenever we take a stand to identify ourselves with whom God says we are, the enemy will always seek to destroy that identity in us. Jesus constantly identified himself with the truth about him, who he was in order to keep the pollution of the enemy's lies from affecting his judgment and his character. We could learn a good lesson by Jesus's example. When Jesus released the words that were tied to his identity, who he knew he was, by his speaking the truth and believing with his heart what he was saying, the power of God was released from his mouth. And we know a number, well, we know that there is another account um, in the Bible, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, as the soldiers came to arrest him, they asked where Jesus was, who he was, and he said, I am. And when he spoke the word of God, from his heart about his identity, the power of God was so strong that the Roman soldiers just went down under the power of God. They just went right back on their backs. Now when Jesus did that, he wasn't bragging or boasting. And we're gonna see seven I am, seven statements that Jesus made identifying himself with who God said he was in the Gospel of John in just one minute. But what I want to say beforehand is he was not being braggadocious. He wasn't being conceited by saying, I'm all that. He was declaring who he was in his heavenly Father, that he was one with the Father, and he was declaring who he was in God. And this is another noteworthy moment. When he did this, his words were weapons of warfare. They, I'm gonna say this, they were weapons of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness. His words, because he never let go of his identity. Let's look at the Gospel of John and see seven I am's that are found in the Gospel. John 6:35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Number two, John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, 9. I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. John 10:11 I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep John 11:25 I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me shall live even if he dies John 14:6 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And finally, number seven, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. The power to counter the devil's lies and accusations was released every single time Jesus identified with, Jesus cooperated with his God-given identity. Every time he released words that were in line with what God had said about him and who he was, power was released, amen? And power is released in our lives when we do the same thing. Same things, when we declare with our mouths who God says we are. These are the Bibles. We don't have to pay for a yearly contract for anti-identity theft in the realm of the spirit. We have the Bible. It's free. And if we will believe who God says we are, and like Jesus, speak with our, believe it in our hearts who God says we are, contrary to our pasts, contrary to who our families say we are, contrary to who our friends say we are, contrary to what our checkbook says we are, contrary to... Um, our health, the report we've gotten from the doctor, but if we will believe what God says about who we are in Christ, we will be able to use these weapons of mass destruction and these tools against the enemy to destroy the kingdom of darkness. Amen? I'm getting so excited preaching now. I lost my place. I'm glad I numbered my pages. Okay, so we saw six, or seven rather, I am's in the Gospel of John about who Jesus said he was. Let's look at six Christian I am's. And remember, every time we identify with who God says we are, and we speak the word of God to the lies that come in this world, the power of God, the same power that was released through the Lord Jesus Christ will be released through us as well. I am forgiven. Let that sink in. I am forgiven. Sometimes we have to say, I forgive myself. But as far as God's concerned, if we're in Christ, we've been forgiven. As a matter of fact, that forgiveness is past, present, and future. 1 John 2.12 I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Not for your sake, for his name's sake. Second I am reality. I am a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. So I am forgiven. I am a new creation. Number three, I am a child of God. There's no greater label. There's no greater title that we could ever have other than being a child of God. John 1.11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, Jesus Christ, to those who believed in his name, the name of Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. That's what being born again means. 
You believe in Jesus and you're born from above spiritually. You're not born of this earth. Yes, you, ha- you are alive here, but you're spiritually born of God. So I am forgiven. I am a new creation. I am a child of God. Number four, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Do you notice that everything is positional? It's always about being in Christ Jesus. It's never about us. And that's good news because whether we do really great things or we do really bad things, not that we want to do that, but if we sin, if we miss the mark, we know that our right standing with God is non-negotiable because we're in right standing with him, not based on our own merit, but based on Jesus for his sake, for his name, amen? Amen. I am his masterpiece. Don't you just straighten up when you say that? Right? I am his masterpiece. There's none like you, nowhere else. No one else is like you. Individual, perfect. You look in the mirror and you might not think so. In the morning especially. (laughs) But you are. God made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So we are God's masterpiece. Number six, I am blessed. Not I will be based on my circumstances, I am blessed. And if you wanna see your circumstances change, believe that and speak it with your mouth. Release the power of God that comes with the truth and not the lie of your circumstances. Release the words that line up with God's word and you'll see your circumstances change and you'll experience the fact that you are already blessed by God. Ephesians 1 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, past tense, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, where? In Christ, in Christ. There we are positionally again, in him. And finally, I am healed, am healed. Not I will be healed, I am healed. First Peter, it's 2.24. I think we might have had 124 in the notes, but it's 2.24. says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed at the cross, pointing back to the cross. So, how, how, does this, how does this all work? How do we, um, how do we, how can I put this? First, we have to believe what God's word says. That's the very first step because you can confess until the cows come home. That is a weird expression, isn't it? You can confess until you turn blue or until whatever and if you don't really believe what you're saying, your circumstances aren't gonna change. There will be absolutely no power released when you speak the word unless you do not identify with who you are in Christ Jesus. We, ha- we all have to make that decision. We can't get caught living, like straddling a fence, one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom and be Identity, have identity confusion. I mean, that's the ultimate identity confusion 
is to not know that you are born of God when you're living like the world. We have to fully embrace who God says we are, just as the Lord Jesus Christ did, and always live based on our identity in Christ. So if you weren't here two weeks ago to hear the message, Your Words Matter, I encourage you to go, to, um, go online to our media page to listen to that message because so much of what we looked at two weeks ago um, applies to this message tonight because in order to have that power and that virtue go forth and destroy the kingdom of darkness to push back the opposition and the lies of the enemy, we have to speak. We have to speak what we believe in our heart. Proverbs 8.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. Last week, we looked at the um, a version from God's Word translation. We don't have to pull that up right now. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love to talk will eat their own words. We want to be eating good things, right? We want to be speaking God's Word so that we can have good things happening in our lives. And when, if you read in the book of Genesis, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but if you go to the second chapter in verse 7, you'll see that when God created um, Adam and formed him out of the dust of the earth, it said that God breathed, right, into Adam, the breath of life. And it says that at that point, man became a speaking, the original Hebrew language states, he became a speaking spirit. So if we're going to want to experience the power of God that Jesus experienced in his life, we have to speak the word of God because that's where the power comes from. The word of God is the power of God. Let's look at Jeremiah 23, verse 29 in the Amplified. Is not my word like fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test? says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance, the word of God is our weapon to use, but we have to identify and not have an identity crisis and not allow the enemy to steal our identity to try to use it against us because that's what he tries to do and that's what he did with Jesus and that's what he'll do with us. Job 22 tells us, 22:28, you will also declare a thing. When you make a declaration, you speak, right? You make a pronouncement of something or a proclamation. You will declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways when they cast you down and say, exaltation will come, then he will save the humble person. The Bible says that if we will believe the word of God in our heart and we will confess it with our mouth, we'll experience salvation. Now that applies to the new birth experience, coming into the kingdom of God as a child of God or being born again, but that is the law of or the process or principle of salvation that works across the board in each one of our lives. As long as we will hold on to our God-given identity and refuse to allow the enemy 
to trick us out of it, to deceive us, to lie to us, to twist the truth, to cause us to doubt, if we will stand immovable on God's word and we will speak what God says in his word, just as Jesus always spoke the word of his father, we will walk in the power of God too. Amen? That's really good news. So when the enemy comes with his lies trying to degrade and belittle us or minimize our place in God's plan, get the word of God out and use it like a sword. Ephesians six seventeen tells us that the, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The word is the sword. You can't, we can't just say, well, I do believe that and keep our mouths shut. We have to speak what the word of God says and allow that word to come out as the sword that the spirit, actually the literal, the little, literal Aramaic translation is the sword that the spirit wields. See, he's the greater one in us, right? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So allow the greater one to go to work. Give him something to work with. Give him words, give him the word of God that you've stored in your heart and you're allowing to come fearlessly out of your mouth and refuse to believe that you're anything but what God's word says about you. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.